Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, hi, hi. Everybody sitting down? Good. This is part two of our lovely chat with Ben Hunt. So um, go and listen to part one if you haven't. Ooh, car approaching. Is this my eBay buyer? No, driving past. Yeah, this is part two of Ben. So much more to learn and grow. Here we go. So you're teaching confidence. Yeah. Where did your confidence come from? Um, leaving the country. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Leave it genuinely. Like I was so um, lacking in confidence before I moved abroad on my own for university. I went to Malaysia and I got a full scholarship to study abroad and I took it and moved to Malaysia, a country that admittedly I probably didn't Google hard enough before I went to realise it's actually illegal to be gay there. But mm-hmm. I had a great time. And whilst I was there, I was able to just start a number of different things that made me realise, I was like, this is really my life. Like I can do this. Um, mm. I started up an events agency over there for students. Um, started up a magazine for international students and all of these really cool things I did that I would not have been able to do in the UK. So I suddenly came back to the UK with all of this confidence and this life experience, um, of experiencing like near death experiences in Malaysia and of mm. wild things that just happen in when you're studying in a jungle. And I was just ready. Just came back to the UK ready. And what was your near-death experience? I got kidnapped. I was in Malaysia and I was (laughs) bundled into a car just in Kuala Lumpur in in the city centre. And um, yeah, that's... Still to this day, it doesn't really make sense. It must have been a case of mistaken identity. There's not that many, yeah, I guess six-foot black men roaming the streets of Malaysia. And yeah, I just... I must have been mistaken identity uh, and got bundled into this car and uh, was lashing out, trying to, trying to get out of this car and eventually got out of the car. Um, And it was like mission impossible, like rolled on the street as as I fell out of it. Um, And that was that kidnapped. Reported to the the police. They didn't care. Of course. Really? Were you in the backseat or the boot? (laughs) Thank you for caring about my well-being. Straight to like, I'm get, straight I'm to the juicy there. action. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was well, the backseat. Well, my next question was going to be: No, go on. Where were you? It was the Look, backseat. Hey. There were guys in there. They basically grabbed me, threw me into the car, and were like shouting at me in in Bahasa Malay. Um, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I got absolutely no clue. Ben, I'm so sorry to hear that. Must have been so frightening. <laughs> <laughs> But so they were next to you while you were trying to get out the car. Yeah, this is real life. I think what people forget is Malaysia is wild. (laughs) Like there are many places in this world that 
you would think um, are more progressive than they actually are. And like things have moved on more than they actually have. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Malaysia is one of them because it's it's got a lot of money, um, but it does have some issues, some faults. Uh, mm-hmm. And people flying in for honeymoons and stuff may not see that side of things. Um, mm-hmm. Admittedly, it could have changed. I haven't been there for a few years now. I was supposed to go back last year, obviously a pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in the time that I was there, there were a lot of things that I saw that were just wild. Um, mm-hmm. Gay men being arrested, uh, club nights being shut down, hotel rooms being raided. Um, they would go down like the hotel lists and see if uh, you had people in the same hotel room who weren't married or didn't have like Muslim wow. surnames. Um, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot. So it's it's just different over there. And I think it's my experience of like being kidnapped, for instance, doesn't even it doesn't even compare to what a lot of the students who were with me at that university experienced and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just just living in Malaysia, just living in a different place, isn't it? It's just different. Do you understand that your life is like James Bond? <laughs> yeah, I genuinely like it's it's wild to me the amount of experiences I've had, mm. um, and I'm just so grateful that mm. a series of wild decisions that I made that at the time may have seemed quite rogue have paid off in like massive dividends (laughs) like it's just the experiences have been ridiculous and is that you following your gut it's probably naivety to be honest it's yeah i think because of some of the stuff that i experienced in malaysia over those four years like i said i came back to the uk with a very different perspective and i think Mm -hmm. once you've once you've experienced like the bottom and you've experienced Mm -hmm. like the lowest that things can kind of get um and that's not saying that that happened in the UK for me before I left, to be honest, before I went to, before I went to Asia. But once mm-hmm. you've experienced the lowest, it's like, you can only go up, right? So mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just going to jump in and just experience stuff and just try as much as possible. I feel like you are someone who seeks to point out injustice, among many other things. Definitely. But to shine a light on it, do you remember the first time you saw an injustice that got under your skin? Yes, I was on a bus going to school and I experienced racism. There was racist chanting because the BNP, the British National Party, remember them? Um, mm-hmm. They were standing in whatever local elections in my area. Um, oh. And I experienced this, this racist abuse on the bus. And uh, I started up a organisation promoting multicultural awareness in Essex. <sighs> Um, and I toured schools around Essex with these assemblies and I got funding from the council to buy books and videos and provide workshops for young people who may not have black people and Asian people in their classes who still needed to understand more about cultural awareness. So that was like the beginnings of all of this. Um, and when I say I fell into journalism, like that, I, at no point, hand on heart, did I ever consider a job in journalism prior to being on YouTube and thinking, I really actually enjoy this. Like, what what role can I do that's going to continue this? I, mm-hmm. just, I didn't even think that it was available to me. But I, if I, I wish I had, because then I could have obviously angled towards it earlier on, rather than going through mm-hmm. medical school interviews. <laughs> 
You're still like the one of the youngest ever BBC correspondents, right? So um Yeah, yeah. but it's also okay. just about it's it's about like the effort that it takes to do something and then like completely switch oh, to yeah. do something else. Like I would yeah. have loved not to say like journalism's easy, but there's yeah, learning about synapses and mm. cells and all of that. Like, I loved it. I loved medicine, I loved I loved all of that. But yeah, I if I could have done something more creative and still gone down this journalism route then yeah, it would have been an easier time. And what about your family? Are they are they in any way medicine or journalism related? No, both my parents are social workers or were social workers. They're both retired now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's also where I had my human rights fighting for the little person thing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. seeing how hard they were. So I both moved into the country when they were young um, mm-hmm. and seeing how certain institutions treated them. Um, mm-hmm. and treated my family as I was growing up, that's definitely like made me think about like, well, what what impact can I have on the mm-hmm. future and on this country as well? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's, it's as a result of my parents that I'm continuing in this role, trying to make change. Because social work is one of the places, and I'm saying one of because it's not the only one, uh, you know, but where you see the trickle-down effect of Ooh. what government's decisions are made in wood-panelled rooms, what that means on the ground. You know, after years and years of changes of people and decisions made for political reasons instead of, you know, that's where you see it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, gosh, like, it's been really sad to see the impact that social services has had on some of my friends or the lack of social services has mm-hmm. had on some of my friends. Um, my friends have experienced homelessness, have experienced like domestic violence, have experienced um, growing up in care, all of these different things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to see that in a country like ours, people are still really struggling uh, because mm-hmm. they're just not getting the support that they need. Yes. What you've been doing recently um, has been extraordinary and i wondered if you would um mind chatting just a bit about some of the things that you've been investigating recently what's getting under ben's skin today (laughs) oh my gosh like the amount of transphobia that is happening in this Mm -hmm. country and around the world to be honest is it's wild to me um and i think it's it's scary as well because i remember standing in the downing street garden Number 10 mm. garden. It's a venue, isn't it? Party venue. <laughs> if only. Someone should put it on TripAdvisor and start reviewing it as a nightclub. Actually, if someone hasn't done that, please can somebody do it. That's quite funny, actually. <laughs> um, I was sitting in this garden in 2018 as this LGBT action plan was unveiled and the government was going to be doing all of these things that were going to forward LGBTQ rights in this country. It was going to be incredible. It was a thick, chunky document. And... All I saw is then as I started in my role, oh yeah, so I got the LGBT correspondent role for the BBC and Mm. it was really like celebratory and it felt like a real moment of pulling together Mm. all of these different communities and platforming people's experiences. And then what you saw was just this unravelling of LGBTQ rights internationally, partly as a result of the US administration, um, as a result Mm. of like Trump's presidency for sure. But you suddenly saw that in the UK, things that, were almost taken for granted like 
trans people being in certain single sex spaces, for instance, like toilets and public mm. bathrooms and whatever else. Um, suddenly there were more conversations around that and there were debates forming and arguments happening and authors speaking up about their experiences of things that may not necessarily be related to transphobia. Mm. And all of, all of these things that, that were happening, it was really scary to see. And I think that's what's now happening with a lot of my reporting is it's gone from being glitter and rainbows and unicorns to actually mm. being a dark cloud over the rainbow and saying, look, mm. like this is, pay attention. Like this is what's happening. Mm. Um, so recently, for instance, I've been looking into the Equality and Human Rights Commission and supposedly independent group uh, and organization that exists with government appointed leadership and they're supposed to be fighting for human rights across britain yeah it was set up by labor right for uh, lgbt people among others like to help them yeah and what we've seen uh, over the past few weeks of my reporting is that leaders at the organization have been meeting up with groups that are transphobic or the people will say are transphobic, um, that whistleblowers within the organization have said an anti-LGBTQ culture has taken over, that leaders have been amending documents that have been like people have spent years working on uh, that have gone through all kind of policy policy decision makers and uh, really experienced human rights lawyers and all of these people and then they've just changed documents to be more critical of lgbtq individuals um of black individuals uh mm -hmm. there's been a real switch and then very recently, I put out an article about uh, some potential changes to bathroom laws and prison laws and uh, hospital laws around the space that people can take up if they identify as a gender rather than being born in a biological sex. Um, mm -hmm. And seeing that and seeing the impact that some of that has had is crazy because... Mm -hmm it's made people really sit up and just take a look at these institutions. They're almost taken for granted. We're just, it's a given, right? That a human rights organization is going to be pushing for LGBTQ rights across the board. You mm. would think, but actually mm. in, in 2022, apparently that's not the case. And when it comes to the terrible treatment that trans people are getting, that a lot of people say can be tracked as having some similarities, not lots, some similarities to the way gay men were treated for example what is it about there's something about gender in it isn't there that it's to do with bathrooms and spaces organized around gender and there seems to be a real dissonance between this bogeyman idea of trans people going into toilets and attacking people and actually what happens which is it doesn't happen would it be right to say that's about gender and trans people are taking the flack uh, and non-binary individuals? Is that what's going on? And I know it's hard to lightning conduct it into a statement of any description, but th that's the bit that it always seems to be arranged around things ar around gender. I think what we're seeing is a debate that has never really occurred before. When I started at the BBC... There was always this uh, discussion from trans individuals and trans organisations, trans-led organisations in particular, uh, where they'd say, we are not going to debate our identity. We're not debating ourselves. And what you may have seen as a result of that is people taking up space within those debates uh, where you may not have had like a trans person or a trans organisation or trans-led organisation uh, present 
who have then almost grabbed the mic and changed the perspective. Mm-hmm. Because some of the conversations that I see online um, being aimed towards trans people, I'm like, where are these trans people that you speak of? Like, mm-hmm. where where are they? Because the people that I know are a marginalised group of individuals who are just trying to live and just trying mm-hmm. to get by. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it's, it is... I'm still trying to get my head around what's currently happening Mm-hmm. Because it seems like there is so much fear and animosity towards a group that I thought like the rights were just signed off for, like done. Mm-hmm. Like it was, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it, this, this fight had already been finished. Like it was already over. Um, yet here we are. So I'm, I'm not sure. I, I genuinely, I, I'm trying to understand it myself. Um, and just, yeah, just, to, just to get an inkling of where this is heading. So for example, With the attacks on women that have been going on a lot lately, you know, a lot of people have been asking for the discussion to change, to say, don't say to women, don't go out late at night, say to men, stop attacking women. And and I feel like there's such a parallel here of protecting a toilet, because a man might pretend they identify as a woman to go into a toilet and attack a woman that person is someone who wants to attack people. So we need to sort them out. Don't sort out trans people, sort out people who pretend to be other people who attack people. I mean, <laughs> you know? this is it. This is it. I, I, from my reporting that I've done into hate crimes and investigating hate crimes um, and having data that's actually more accurate than the government's own that they put out because for some reason they didn't contact all police forces or include all police forces data in in what's currently happening in the UK um but from my data I think from last year is that uh homophobic hate crimes have tripled over the past five years and transphobic hate crimes have quadrupled or at least a number of reports that people are coming forward with have just rocketed Mm. um and it's scary then to not platform those people who have gone through all of that as a result of of who they are and their, their gender identity or, or their sexuality. Um, and then be talking about things in a really obscure fashion and like a hypothetical fashion. Yes. Because this is real life. And this is literally when I'm going up to Sunderland and interviewing a trans person who gets punched in the face every time they leave their house. And we're going to have a hypothetical conversation about what could potentially happen. It's just, and it's, it's not to belittle people's fears, because I think yes. that's, that's one thing as well that I've had to make peace with is that you can't tell people how to think. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some people really do have these deep fears around trans individuals. And it's, it's, that may come from not knowing people, that may come from the media, overhyping the, overhyping the conversation and, and spinning the agenda. I, I don't know. Mm. I just, I don't understand. And I can put my hands up and just say, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I mm. don't, mm. I don't understand what is happening right now, especially in this country. But I, I found it the other day on the radio, they were talking about this exact debate and, um, you know, they were, and they entered just like you said, the hypothetical about this, this, you know, hypothetical individual who will pretend to be another gender to get into a toilet to attack someone. Am I right in saying that they don't even have an event to point to when it's happened? You know, it's not like up and down the country, this is happening. It's speculative. But what is happening is LGBT people are being attacked. There are facts and reports. 
why is nobody pointing that out as much as they could, aside from your good self? <laughs> um, that's a very good question. I I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I, I think it's it clearly helps someone's agenda in terms of maybe being platformed, in terms of maybe money. I don't know. I don't. I genuinely don't understand it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you feel that when you are talking about this stuff, you are getting any traction from places and people that is going to help improve it? 100%. And I love that. I love that people will message me. They will slide into the DMs on Instagram and on Twitter and into my emails and tell me stuff like what's happening in their workplaces. Oh, my friend Sue saw your article in Vice and she said, oh, wow, like it's really wild what's happening in in that EHRC, isn't it? And they'll tell me what's going on and they'll tell me what people are experiencing and feeling as a result of my reporting. Sometimes it's really sad. Sometimes it's really positive. Um, But for me, it's as long as people are paying attention, Mm. that's the main thing. But are there actionable elements of that, that, you know, because people are seeing your articles, they're able to start their own conversation in their own workplace and things like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, one of the best things that happened as a result of one of my articles where I said around the EHRC potentially bringing in this guidance around trans people being in single-sex spaces or not being in single-sex spaces if they don't have a gender recognition certificate, like a legal document saying uh, their their gender identity. One of the best Mm. things that happened as a result of that was the EHRC clarifying its position on its upcoming guidance. They were like, we are not going to do this. It's like, well, mm-hmm. the document that I've got <laughs> shows that you were going to do it. So actually, mm-hmm. it's like, this is this is where journalism can really step in. Um, people mm-hmm. speaking up about stuff, uh, platforming things, airing what's going on. And then mm-hmm. because of the attention that it gets, people can potentially be like, oh, actually, we're not going to do that anymore. Thank you very much. Yes, people being called out. I was trying to find your conversation you had with Owen Jones recently, but what I did find is it's it said Ben Hunt versus Owen Jones, and it was a YouTube thing, and I clicked on it thinking it was it, and it, it was a person basically doing this kind of... Oh, no. ...to camera. Do you know who I'm talking about? I have no idea what this is, but... So it was, it was a woman doing a kind of to-camera piece about you two having a discussion and saying how biased it was and how she obviously follows Owen and I think follows you and follows the the conversation. But it was interesting that someone would do, I mean, it's just a person on YouTube, but, you know, do a kind of derisory thing. The lengths um, that people go to to mm. hate is one of the things that genuinely keeps me up at night. 
because I really do wonder like where all of this is going to end. And at the BBC, mm. like, I had immense trolling, immense trolling. And I really thought that when I moved over, things were going to be better because at the BBC, people weren't always ready for my reports. So you might be sat there eating your tea and suddenly mm. there's big me on your TV screen being like, let's talk about anal sex. And it's just like, sometimes... Presses record. <laughs> sometimes people just aren't ready to receive that conversation. So I yeah. understand. But advice, like my stuff is so targeted in mm. that if you're not following me, if you're not following Vice like yes my stuff kind of goes out into the ether but it's really mm. contained within like silos of like bubbles like, mm, if you're interested mm. in lgbt stuff you're probably going to see my stuff if you're uh, a gay man who's i don't know living in london and you're active on the scene like, you're probably going to see my stuff but mm. some people won't and it's just it's so fascinating to me that even without broadcasting to those haters they still are so actively involved in my life like, leave me alone. Like, there were entire, I, I received a, an email showing that someone had made me an award for being a terrible journalist. And it made me laugh. But then I, I paused and I was like, what the hell? Like, this person fully went to like an arts and craft moment in their life and <laughs> made this thing to then take a photo of it, to then send me it. Like, what is happening in your life for you to want to do that? Like, what? Mm, like, mm, how is mm. how is this happening? And they can yeah. just do it without any kind of repercussions as well. Well, also, you know, it's it shouldn't that stuff should not be happening to you. Um, but if there is a silver lining to this rainbow with a cloud around it, uh, is that they only do that because you're they know you're good at it you know what i mean you're you're threatening to them you are actually a viable threat although if you were nothing they wouldn't bother and i always think that it, you all you have to take from that is like haha well i'm obviously getting under your skin so you know because you signify the end for their crazy ways 100 percent, and that's their, that is that is a blessing to i like i like the way you you speak about that and that's that's how i try to to frame all of it. But at the same time, like I said, it does make me think about like, well, where does this end? Mm. And it's being directed at you and that's horrendous and should not be happening. And is, is a lot of it, is it homophobic? Is it racism? Mm. All of the above, to be honest. Mm. It's like all of the things that I sometimes question about myself, people will pick apart online and amplify and I think, I don't think there's any journalist that doesn't think about like, am I a good journalist? Like, am mm. I making impact? Am I doing what I should be doing? And then when you suddenly see stuff that's like, this is a shit investigation. This is terrible. Like, mm. why is everyone anonymous? Like, where's the evidence? It's like, well, this is, this is journalism. Like, this is, this is it. Like, done what I could do. Like, I've, I put it out. Done. Um, mm. and it's, yeah, it, it's that. It's racism. It's the homophobia. It is. The lies. Oh my gosh, the lies. Mm. The lies are so wild. But there's nothing you can do. Uh, I don't play a part in it. I just allow mm. it to happen. I think there's, I'm, I'm still trying to weigh up whether that's the right way to go about it. Like you can literally search mm. my name on Twitter and just see some of the stuff that people say about me. It's just wild. But mm -hmm. it's, I don't want to give it oxygen. I don't want to kind mm. of like participate in those conversations. But maybe that's not, maybe in 2022, that's not the right approach. Well, you've got to do whatever makes you feel safe 
Yeah. What about, you know, we just touched on racism a bit there that's directed specifically at you, but racism in the LGBTQ plus community, I know you've talked about it a lot. Where are we at in 2022? Um, I mean, we're still, we're still fighting it. (laughs) We're still trying to live. Gosh, (laughs) there is so much racism within the LGBT community. So much. Um, I find it really interesting that there were huge conversations happening during Black Lives Matter and like that, yeah. that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, I'm kind of yet to see a lot of the change that I was expecting to see. But people are really struggling. People are really, really struggling. I mean, there's in some spaces, things are better because people are starting their own club nights and they're starting their own safe spaces to be in and people who understand them will then go to those things and they'll get it and it's nice it's like a safe space mm. but in some of these mainstream ones i'm seeing i'm still getting messages from people who work for queer establishments who are experiencing racism from customers racism from bosses um i'm still hearing from people who are going to sexual health clinics and not being taken seriously because they're black or because they're asian or not receiving the same service as white individuals um there Mm. is so much going on by way of race and yeah it's, it's, it's sad i remember you doing a piece about grinder removing the ethnicity filter um as a non-regular user of Grinder, <laughs> that that has now gone, right? Yeah, it's gone. Again, I I was fascinated that that still existed. I, I've never personally used Grinder, so I was like, "That's a mm. thing." <laughs> it's like, what on mm-hmm. earth? Like, you are literally just searching based on race. But then there's another side to all of these things, right? So some people in the community had used that tool to find others like them. So some people mm. who are black and LGBTQ had used the ethnicity filter to find other people that they wanted. I mean, I'm still of the view that. To be able to search anyone by ethnicity is a negative. Mm. I, I, mm. I don't think anyone could ever kind of talk me around from that perspective. Cause I think the, I am more than my race. Like whether you're mm. black and trying to find me, whether you're white and trying to find me, like I would hope you're trying to find me through a number of other things that don't relate to the color of my skin. <laughs> like it's that and, simple. Yeah. And also people were also writing when I did occasionally use Grinder, people would write on their profile, like as in, I'm not saying this is new information, but like it, whether you were you were searching for people who were black because you were black or not people were also writing on their profile no blacks no asian you know like yeah this is it does the community still tolerate that on grinder speaking as two people who don't use grinder i mean i don't know i don't know i Mm. don't know i'm not on the apps in order to find out but what i will say is that my first learning of my identity came about through Googling being black and gay. And one mm-hmm. of the first articles I found was a, a Guardian article that said that black gay men are unwanted and here's why. And it was, it was to be fair, like, it was a person that I've um, since like connected with and, and talked about like their, their incredible activism. But at that time to see that article, it really damaged me. Because I was, I was already feeling those things anyway. I was already feeling like I didn't exist, but to actually see it like, in solid, hard fact that this older person is also having a really shit time being themselves. I was like, mm. so this isn't going to get any easier. I was like, wow. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. 
And so was that, so that was a first person piece of saying, this is what goes on for me as a black gay, per- gay mm, man. Was yeah. It? yeah, that's really tough. Deep. Well, but then Ben Hunt. Yeah. Then we have young queer black kids who can look at you on your Instagram, living your wonderful life, fighting for what's right. And I just have to end with a few questions. Doing a wonderful loft conversion. I mean, boo, if only it was just a loft conversion. This is like, well, exactly. You, you've highlighted a 10%. Of, no, of you're right. You're absolutely right. Done. Oh my goodness. Like, if only I feel like people's loft conversions get done in about like four weeks and then you've got your, <laughs> you've got your new floor and you're done. I'm talking knocking down every wall in this house, apart from the one at the front that planning permission didn't allow me to lock down. It's adding a floor, adding an extension on the back, adding a outhouse with a bedroom and a shower facility and toilet facilities. <sighs> um, this is, I'm literally building my dream house in East London around the corner from my parents. And it is nuts. Like it, it makes no sense. I don't understand how this is even happening. It, it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. How? How? But it's the most stressful thing I've ever been through in my life. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Well, it's funny because you were, you were broadcasting. I think it might have been the Owen Jones live thing from your building site. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like, cause it was like, it's half done so it's just like plasterboard everywhere it looks like you've built the most like avant-garde uh <laughs> come on like, grand like, designs yeah yeah like it's like he just lives in a room that's cardboard and that's like ben's <laughs> life and you're like there's no, no furniture in there it's like it just looked like you. i was like wow he's really gone for it it is oh you know i love it i'm i'm so glad that like I said, a series of ridiculous decisions I've made about my life have culminated in me being able to build a three-story home in, in London near to my parents. It's wild. But at the same time, like, the reason I'm doing it is to provide a space for me and for my closest friends and family as well. So it is now a five-bedroom home and I will be moving in my closest friends into it. Um, So taking them away from ridiculous landlord situations that have led to homophobia and transphobia, um, Mm. being charged like three grand to live in a really terrible room in Hackney. Like all of this stuff is like, I just want to provide a really safe space and for it to be Mm. like as queer and as wonderful as possible. And yeah, while I'm traveling the world, doing my job, knowing that people are kind of safe and that's amazing yeah it's really cool it's it's really cool that's amazing and one final question to end on please um where do you get all your interior design ideas from um where oh my gosh where do i ben's a genius at the old interiors everyone oh i mean i'm trying to be i'm currently being kept awake at night by me not having decided what floors going in my bathrooms Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this stuff is, it's kind of come from like Instagram. It's come from watching grand designs. It's come from, mm-hmm. uh, going to people's houses and just looking around and being like, Oh, I like that. Like, where'd you get that? But mm. it's the scale of doing it on a property of this size is ridiculous. Oh my God. I was looking at radiator valves the other day and having decided radiator valves and then switches and the types of spotlight. Do you want this type of spotlight or that type of spotlight? And it's Mm. the scale of this, the spreadsheets that I've got are a culmination of 
just anything that I see that I kind of like, I'm just throwing in the spreadsheet and being like, maybe we could do this. And I put down each room that I'm trying to deal with. And then anything I see, I will just chuck it into there with a screenshot of like what I've seen with a link to where I've seen it and ideally a price of how much it's going to cost. And it's just meant that I've got reels of inspo. Um, and then I can actually, like, depending on how the budget's looking, then you can decide mm. to upscale or downscale, depending on whatever. <laughs> You know, when it's, if it's a five bedroom house, you know what you're going to be doing, downscaling. But you know, paint some floorboards white. I have not got to that point yet. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, that was a lovely chat with Ben and not the only beautiful thing to have happened in the last 25 minutes. Also, one proud owner of the eBay item has come and collected very happy customer. So now consider me an official eBay seller listeners. All I'm going to say is my customer service is second to none. It's not just the items I sell. It's my customer service. I nearly fell over as I said that. Uh, You've been wonderful. Ben was wonderful. Please, goodness me, get in touch. Stay connected on Instagram at Homo Sapiens, Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast. Email me your comments, questions and agony uncles to hellohomosapienspodcast.com. All right, listeners, tons of love to you. Bye. 